Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz, and today I have Jean Ang, PhD, with me today. Jean, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. Uh, great. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, sharing with the, the group here. Super excited to have you. I'm going to go ahead and read your bio, and then we'll get started with your interview. Jean's goal is to empower people to live their lives according to their higher selves. Jean Ang, PhD, offers healing sessions in the Arcturian Healing Method, a healing style created by Jean, accessing divine cosmic energies and life path acceleration. This type of healing brings you to a fuller realization of the wholeness that is already within. As a result, physical, emotional, and mental healing can occur. In addition, Gene conducts seminars to share his knowledge as a student on the healing path. This is wonderful, Gene. Can you share with our listeners your journey to this healing modality and what you practice today? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I started off in uh, science. I uh, was always interested in biomedical science, and so... Uh, focused on that in uh, my undergraduate uh, years. But in the same time, I was uh, kind of deeply, uh, I guess, moved by a kind of internal spiritual path that uh, just matured over time as I came to understand it. Uh, one of the uh, bigger sort of um, events was just uh, studying A Course in Miracles in um, actually in college, which um, I guess each of us are um, touched with our spiritual path at different uh, time points in our life um, that may have been kind of um, sometimes premature because uh, like during that period in time, at least in the environment I was in, uh, like in college, you're kind of very focused on uh, kind of kind of making something in the world and uh, to turn on to the spiritual path of that, uh, I guess, relatively early in age, uh, chronologically can sometimes be, at least for me, was uh, difficult to balance the two. But uh, that um, study uh, of that book pretty much turned me to a more internal spiritual path and interest in, I guess you could call it healing, um, more from a, um, I don't know, multidimensional level or spiritual energetic level, uh, as well as physical. Uh, So I continued, though, with uh, my studies, um, kind of more formal educational studies, uh, and went on to do a PhD in uh, neurobiology. And that was a bit of an attempt to bridge the two uh, in terms of uh, science as well as uh, consciousness. Uh, The option was to uh, maybe do a further study in psychology. But uh, so that was kind of like a bridge, but that was very molecular still. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't uh, until I finished my PhD that uh, I kind of really stepped all the way over into the more uh, spiritual side of healing or the more inner side of healing. And that's when I began uh, working um, as an energy healer. Nice. What more did you do? <laughs> uh, also an energy healer. I'm curious, what kind of energy work did you start with? And on the energy path, of course, we learn all these different modalities. So what mm-hmm. on that path led you to Arcturian healing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I started with uh, actually like one-on-one study with a uh, 
a Russian energy healer who had come over from uh, Russia, who is originally from uh, Siberia. And uh, he was very gifted, talented, very, very also very powerful. But he sort of, it was like a mentor type of mentee uh, relationship. And he, I would say, uh, initiated me into the energy world, kind of showing me, you know, how to really sense the energy world. Uh, But like this sort of uh, internal, I guess, study goes, uh, like the next um, modality or kind of learning environment or teacher sort of appears. And uh, I moved on to like kind of more sort of known uh, modalities. So I went into pranic healing and studied that uh, system, pretty much the entire system that was started by Master Chokok Sui. And uh, he passed around 2007, and I started studying that in 2005. So I was able to kind of um, meet him uh, physically. And I think that had a large impact on um, sort of not only understanding energy work, but uh, this idea of transmission, like how um, a person can uh, transmit their knowledge um, in a nonverbal way, kind of non-physical or what we call energetic way. Uh, so it was nice to have met him and studied with him personally. Uh, but uh, the thing that kind of moved me, I think, into the Arcturian work was a, a couple of modalities that are also uh, sort of known and maybe I don't know, maybe even uh, you may have or know about them or studied them. Uh, the next one was Reconnection uh, by Eric Pearl, which was uh, Palladian-based. And he kind of mentions that in, in some of his trainings and his books, uh, which I had no idea about star beings. or uh, So that really opened me up, and particularly the Reconnection, uh, that process, which is like a DNA activation. That really opened me up to, I guess, uh, multidimensional thinking. And, uh, and then I would say there's like two other factors. One was studying with Stephen Greer, who's uh, not really a healer, although he is a, a medical doctor, um, but he uh, trains people in uh, basically ET contact. Um, and he, like you go to sacred sites or he'll, he'll have a training at sacred sites like um, in Arizona or Mount Shasta or Joshua Tree. And so I did um, two, train, two or three trainings in Mount Shasta and Joshua Tree uh, with him. And uh, that kind of further, I think, really uh, allowed sort of downloads to occur, like out there in the, under the stars. Uh, whether you see anything or not, the, they kind of appear um, in the subtle world, the, the beings, and they like transmit a lot of uh, information, like energetic information to people who are there. Um, and then finally, I did a, um, a pretty in-depth training with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, which was started by Michael Harner. And that gave me kind of the tools like the journeying tools to communicate or connect with the Arcturians directly. Nice. Can you go into a little bit about what reconnection process is and the work you did with Stephen Greer? So people have more of an idea of Mm -hmm. um, those learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. The reconnection, I really love those uh, frequencies and energies there's basically two offerings. They, they may have developed quite a lot more since I was uh, in, did those trainings, maybe in like 2009. Um, but uh, one is like a heal, like you can channel healing frequencies out of your hands as a practitioner, and uh, and those frequencies can heal, meaning uh, whatever a person might need in terms of balancing, uh, like a like traditional uh, request in a healing session. Then the process that I was really interested in that kind of moved me, um, that I felt moved me quite um, 
uh, forward and accelerated is uh, they call it the reconnection, but it's a two session process where uh, the practitioner covers um, basically uh, 108 lines and points on your body energetically. And it's connecting your sort of multi-dimensional lines and points that are similar, like they're like fifth dimensional acupuncture lines to the greater grid line of the earth that goes out into the universe. And uh, some of the basis of that idea comes from this book by J.J. Hurtak, which maybe some you or some of your other readers might or listeners may know about. It's a lot of light workers read the um, or like this book. It's called the Book of Knowledge, the Keys of Enoch. So they talk about these grid lines and points on the body, uh, these multidimensional grid lines and points on the body that connect to the greater grid of the universe. And that when those are more strongly connected, which is what the reconnection does, it allows kind of a greater flow of your own, you could say higher self or soul's energy. And I think that really opened up uh, both kind of opportunities and gifts in this more uh, in like the healing world, uh, more to like kind of be in service in this, in this way, uh, which allowed me, it's a very interesting story, but just allowed me to move from like this uh, system of where I was in science it's almost like a matrix, like the matrix, the movie, okay. we're kind of plugged into like uh, worldly systems energetically. And I couldn't quite make that move out energetically, like, and get the opportunities to do more like this type of work. But the reconnection just for me personally helped to, I could actually feel the energetic uh, cords being released from like the academic system to allow me to, to kind of go into healing. Wow. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you asked one more, but I'll just pause. <laughs> I know I just kind of, I don't want to be long-winded <laughs> about, I think, the Stephen Greer's work, but did you, you, did you, you didn't have any questions, or did you have a question on any? No, I'm just enjoying listening to your journey, <laughs> <laughs> and I know our listeners are too. You can continue with Stephen's work if you want to. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, feel free to just, like, cut me off. <laughs> I'm just okay. going at it for a long time. Uh, yeah, so Stephen Greer, um, he has a site, it's called, um, let's see, uh, trying to remember his, it's called Sirius, uh, one of his websites is as, um, as in the star, but um, he had contact with uh, interdimensional beings or what we would call ET sightings since um, he was young. Uh, he became a, like an emergency doctor, uh, so he has kind of this science background and then he was also a meditation teacher in the transcendental meditation movement. So his protocols are basically consciousness-based in terms of contacting these uh, interdimensional beings, or you could call them ET beings, but maybe it's kind of a semantic term. Um, and uh, you go outside uh, and like in a group if you wanted to, and you sort of just move your consciousness out into the space and uh, these beings are quite advanced in terms of their consciousness. Of course, they don't have physical bodies, but they can kind of materialize into the physical world as light, like a light form. And you'll see all these amazing things in the night sky, like moving around. And that's what kind of gives you the real direct experience um, rather than an intellectual uh, debate, or even if you believed in sort of these interdimensional beings um, intellectually, it kind of gives you the experience of them and then I mentioned like these energetic downloads. So people who are very sensitive to energy will actually feel like they're receiving a really strong energy session while you're out there. Mm -hmm. And I think what that does is it gives you information that 
energetic information that opens your consciousness up, or that's what it did for me. Um, and then allowed me sort of to, I think, make the more, I think, deeper or serious move with the shamanic work to, you know, co connect with the Arcturians, um, you know, through journeying, which like alters your state of consciousness to make that communication and to have a framework to understand that communication. So it kind of all led up to that. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. What a great yeah. experience. And when you're doing this, so what made you choose the Arcturians as opposed to like Pleiadians or something like that? Were you getting the downloads and really hearing that Arcturian message and download and connection? Or had you always related to them? Or, mm. you know, did you read somewhere maybe their work, their books and really, you know, kind of resonated with that? How did you come upon, you know, just working with that energy as opposed to the other ones? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so it was kind of like a, like a holistic, when I look back at the whole thing, like a holistic download, because um, when I first started, so I was in Connecticut at the time, because I was um, doing my graduate work there. Uh, and then I was starting to study with these different energy teachers. So I had no framework or really in my consciousness um, interest, you could even say consciously of ET beings, it was kind of like way out of, or interdimensional beings even. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I had been following my intuition and an intuitive voice. And uh, just like one day uh, during this period when I was just starting, uh, that intuitive voice said that you're Arcturian. And uh, I didn't even remember, I didn't even know what that, where that word had come from, uh, but consciously at the time. But then I realized that uh, when I, about nine years before that, before I started my graduate work, I was reading some books on um, ascension that I was just interested about the spiritual part. And um, Joshua David Stone, who I later find, found out through, you know, after all this, is, is a big Arcturian, is like very Arcturian connected, had mentioned in that book, like all these awakened, enlightened ET beings. So it probably just like went right over my consciousness because I had no framework or interest. And he mentioned all those beings you just mentioned, like Arcturian, <laughs> Pleiadian, Syrian. And so I probably got some kind of um, internal transmission from the book that, not, that didn't unpack till a decade later. And then from there, it took another decade to kind of make it even more like in my life. So, so I had always kept that in my mind when I was doing my energy work that I may have this connection with the Arcturians. Nice. I love those synchronicities, how things kind of line up in your life and you can look back and kind of see them. I had a similar experience when I was listening to Edgar Casey's work mm. and I was listening to one speaker in particular and he was going through everything. And it was just when he hit this one part where he mentioned, you know, the seven sisters and Pleiades and I just got goosebumps all over my body. And, you know, the following days, you know, heard things had to go back and actually like rewind and fast forward through to try to find that part to kind of reconnect and put the puzzle pieces together it's fascinating how it comes into your life oh yeah yeah that's, that's great <laughs> so you've done some work in mount shasta and other areas um tell us about um your transmissions and your channeling and things that you offer at workshops and things oh yeah yeah so um, I mentioned that some of those um, uh, trainings with Dr. Stephen Greer, Dr. Greer was in uh, Mount Shasta. Mm -hmm. So after I did that, uh, like one or two trainings there, then um, I just started to have like a retreat yearly uh, there, uh, like in August, and uh, incorporate these um, contact meditations with the group 
and then some theme what we do energetically. And uh, so uh, we've had like a lot of different sightings at all those different um, retreats. And then uh, you can do the, these contact meditations like anywhere, really. You could even do it like I've had some of the most uh, profound uh, like light sightings, like physical sightings, um, like in the suburbs, uh, like with groups. And what it really, um, the key component is the coherence of the group, like that everyone's sort of on the same page, kind of that they're in more like a heart space, uh, that they're open to, you know, seeing whatever experience or even not seeing something, uh, you know, kind of not grasping onto any particular way these beings will show up. Uh, they're quite advanced, like very awakened um, consciousness. And uh, so it's kind of stronger to just have like two or three people who is like doing this like meditation than like 30 people where maybe half are more there, maybe a little bit scared or more wanted to see if they can like doubt, they're kind of doubting the situation. So, um, so yes, yeah, so it's, it's quite uh, profound to have those. And um so those are some of the things that, that I'll do uh, during the year, or uh, I guess this has been a very different year, but uh, so we've done everything online. <laughs> so the suburb thing is uh, much more uh, poignant. But, uh, and then now mostly what I do, like you mentioned, are uh, trainings um, in the, what I have just called the Arcturian healing method. It's just a way to um, get attuned to frequencies uh, working uh, predominantly through the Arcturians for healing and uh, spiritual development. Uh, so that's what I've been mostly doing now, uh, and particularly online, but it was more physical uh, classes before. Okay. So how is that channeling for you, bringing through the transmissions for everybody? And how does that reach everyone? And what is their feedback from that experience? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe later we could do, we could do one. Um, That'd be wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, give, even, it comes across even with recordings, like that's like one way that it sort of packages, like people can, um, you know, uh, because it's like with energy work, like um, when it's live, uh, it's even worked very well in this sort of uh, Zoom or distant format. Uh, so people can kind of receive that energetically. It's a bit like receiving a energetic healing, uh, depending on what the theme of the event is. Uh, if it's an attunement, um, that term I just called is when the person's being sort of, um, they're kind of going into resonance with the frequency so that they can channel it for others. And that's more like a training. And then there's more like sessions where it's more like a group uh, healing where the frequencies are being kind of exposed to the, um, the group or a person to balance something in their system, but not necessarily so they would like uh, channel it later. And so those are pretty much the two offerings. And um, before those were mostly done sort of in person, uh, you know, in, in a group. Uh, and then now it's pretty worked uh, pretty seamlessly into um, sort of this Zoom format where we're kind of in the astral world uh, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the energy world. So it, it's uh, worked okay uh, in this uh, sort of new period. But uh, I think it helps to you know, for people just to open up to their own connections. That's really how I see it, rather than um, any really connection through me or through even the Arcturians. It's more um, connections to their own spiritual source and, and also guides. Nice. Mm -hmm. It's really nice that we're still able to do these things remotely too, through Zoom uh -huh. and everything that, that inner, we can really see that interconnectedness energetically, you know, going on. Through, um, 
the attunements that you're doing, is that similar to Reiki? Uh, it is similar in the sense, uh, like, um, okay, after a Reiki attunement, you can then uh, maybe do some type of uh, work with that energy, whether it's self-healing, a healing for others, or distance healing. So, like, in the attunement process, like in the Arcturian healing method, uh, it usually takes, uh, like, 45 minutes, these uh, sessions, uh, where people can just lie down or sit or meditate with it. And it's a bit like letting the Arcturian consciousness and energy sort of um, kind of seep in or kind of go deeply into resonance with that um, particular frequency. And then after that, the person can like channel that frequency for others just be, uh, because it kind of like have like a tuning fork have been exposed to that uh, frequency. And then they, it's easy to uh, expose others to that frequency. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. It sounds like they're really opening up their pathways to be able to channel those frequencies. Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah uh yeah you mentioned like how, how other people like have experienced the, the work or what what kind of uh, results they've seen so uh there, there are a couple reasons um people will um i guess work with in the uh, with the arcturian healing method or the arcturians in general that i've seen kind of in my uh practice one they may be coming for healing uh on some level initially uh, a lot of people with the Arcturian healing method, because it's a it's a little bit like more, I wouldn't call it on the fringe of energy healing, but it's a little bit like uh, not the traditional energy healing because you're starting to work with the idea of uh, interdimensional or star beings, which which may be already becoming more common. But so they've probably been in the energy world for a bit of time by the time they kind of even come to like the first class. So they're already looking to kind of integrate something like... Um, maybe like higher dimensional energies or just sort of, of like a expanding their outlook and energy world. So that usually is helpful to kind of give more like interdimensional tools that maybe people who are, have been in the energy world are looking for maybe a lot of facilitators. Um, and then some people don't, aren't really in directly into healing, but they're doing it maybe because they're drawn, they do feel connection to the Arcturians. And then it's more like a, for their own spiritual, um, uh, development or acceleration. Nice to open up to those frequencies and something beyond, you know, our own physical plane and mm -hmm. existence. That's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then, um, so a court, I want to go back, rewind a little bit to a course in miracles. So you did that so early on starting your journey at such a young age. So how has that impacted the work that you're doing now with the Arcturians? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's really insightful, like, uh, question, because I think that book is sort of like, a, from, you know, for people, I guess, who have been drawn to it, um, and for myself, it's like kind of something that, uh, like a touchstone that go that I go back to. But for like, maybe the first five years, it was really intense. I mean, um, I think maybe people have experienced this on their path, where it's just almost like you feel a force is uh, taking you over in terms of like really moving you on the spiritual path. I don't know if these windows kind of open for uh, people at each a particular time. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of by the time you're out of that, that intense couple of years, you're almost like, um, uh, like new relate, like relationships you had before. <laughs> you're not even like in that orbit anymore. You're like in a totally new orbit. Um, and, but it was weird to have that happen, like as a sophomore and, <laughs> So, like, my, like, uh, yeah, my friends are like, where did you go? Like, you know, like, you know, who were at in college, like, 
well, we kind of never really, maybe even really, there's only one or two people I reconnected with from college uh, who also got onto the spiritual path, like in their own way. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyways, uh, I think the key point with the course for me was uh, they, they, they use Christian language, but it's very esoteric. It's very more, I guess, mystical or metaphysical and was to come into contact with sort of this inner voice that I was mentioning, kind of your inner intuition. They call it the Holy Spirit. You could call it your higher self just some aspect of yourself that's sort of greater than your personality that's like wise and guiding you. Um, I, it kind of boiled that down to, to that, like just um, a process of trusting that voice. So, so that's sort of still part of just sort of what's helping to guide um, this process for me just to kind of stay in contact with that and has been guiding the Arcturian healing method. That's nice. And I know that's a journey for a lot of people is learning how to trust that inner voice, their intuition, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And things that are coming in from their higher self or beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a journey for many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can people connect to, you know, that star being aspect of themselves? What are things that they can do if they're resonating with what we're talking about right now to kind of reach out and make that connection? Uh, yeah, well, it's very interesting that you mentioned Edgar Casey. Um, I'm not sure you knew that he he had channeled a couple readings about the Arcturians, <laughs> which I had no idea about. Oh, really? I haven't stumbled on those yet. I'll have to look for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like I like Edgar Casey's work, but not a, a big scholar of it. And one person who came to the um, Arcturian Healing Method was. So he really pointed out to me that he had uh, done a number of readings. This is like back in you know the 1900s or uh, 19th century, um, and uh, he had said that they're like one of the most advanced uh, healing beings in our particular system, and also that they're a bit like a that particular star, but the the more um, inner plane aspect of it, like the astral aspect of Arcturus, which is a physical star, is a bit like um, a way station for souls to come through into, like to incarnate onto our planet. So that's why certain people like, um, you know, who never, like kind of just where I came from, uh, maybe even very like a scientific um, framework, uh, never heard the word Arcturus before and then at the right moment like maybe they hear this interview or like find a book and they hear that word Arcturian it kind of um, helps them to remember in their subconscious perhaps this connection that they may have had like coming in like um, in the sort of incarnational process going through that particular like say astral portal or astral opening um, so that, that's a very interesting process, like the birth, uh, the soul birth process, and also the soul leaving process. But um, so uh, people can connect, uh, if people have already started a meditation practice or a healing practice, uh, if they're already kind of working with angelic beings, or that kind of framework is familiar to them, uh, they could simply like, uh, and they feel comfortable uh, just call in the Arcturians, you know, just by that name, like in maybe in the beginning of their meditation or healing session, when they're connecting to their guides, uh, they could just ask for the Arcturians and uh, they may, um, you know, they're kind of sensitive to how the energies come in, feel a distinct uh, frequency, which maybe over a couple times, then when they do that, you kind of remember what that signature is like. Uh, but it is that pretty straightforward. Um, it's more just having that framework of like, uh, that someone would believe that like <laughs> that's the that's the biggest hurdle right now in the modern age is yeah. uh, like and then second is uh, that they want that connection 
so the Arcturians won't impose that connection. I find them very like uh, very fine with just leaving people alone if they're not if that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. Nice. I was listening to a talk not too long ago, and I think it was you. I'm not exactly sure, but part of the process was asking, you know, as you go to sleep at night, to be taken up to Arcturian healing beds. Oh. you know, for healing. Do you mm. do similar processes or give your students tools, you know, to or asks or questions or something that could lead up to something like that, a healing process or a download or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, actually, that that particular process, I, I might have mentioned that, but it might have been someone else. Um, I know that uh, when I went back and studied um, some of Joshua David Stone's work after kind of like full circle, having already started uh, some of the class in the Arcturian healing method. Uh, his methods were really straightforward, just like that. Like you would, before you go to sleep, you just ask to be taken to like astrally or interdimensionally, uh, kind of where it's easier when you're asleep, to the astral like uh, healing beds of the Arcturians. And they'll just, um, and a lot of people remember uh, their dreams of having been taken to sort of like a place, um, like in a dreamlike state. Uh, where they're like worked on energetically and then re- and then come back to their body. But even if you don't remember, uh, people will get the like healing effect of that. So so that's a very uh, kind of a nice way to work and particularly you can do it at, in your sleep uh, to recover. And then uh, you could also do that in your meditation uh, in the same way. Uh, so it doesn't have to be kind of during the sleep time. Uh, and then, yeah, in the Arcturian healing method, there's some uh, techniques where you can kind of like um, journey uh, astrally, almost like an out-of-body um, meditation process uh, to the Arcturian dimension. And then you can either uh, ask them questions or receive sort of more energetic information or receive healings like uh, with frequency like that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I was listening recently also to um, someone who is discussing, you know, how we come upon these memories of these things. And they started talking about DNA memory. How do you feel about DNA memory playing into how we come upon these things in our life? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Well, that was actually the same framework. Um, I mentioned the reconnection. Uh, They used a a similar kind of more spiritual or multidimensional understanding of DNA. And this also emerged from the book by J.J. Hertog, the Book of Knowledge, the Keys of Enoch, where, um, of course, science is studying the physical uh, DNA, um, and, but there's like even uh, maybe more strands um, energetically that aren't necessarily physical. Uh, and for a lot of people in the energy world where you have a more energy model, like, a, like a, since we have like a physical body, there's an energy component of let's say our hand that the energy healer maybe is like sweeping or working on or sending energy out of. So it would make sense. It's just on a more like microscopic or or, um, even a nanoscopic level where you're talking about a a physical DNA strands or molecularly, but that it would have an energetic uh, component. And so activating this energetic component of the DNA, I think has a lot of potential or is what uh, perhaps is what a lot of these uh, activations and frequencies are doing. And then they do have, of course, they have consciousness effects, but then they can have actual physical effects, um, like whether it be healing or changing in the physical body. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's a great um, model and a a storehouse of 
uh, potential uh, sort of soul information or uh, lifetime information like from other lives is stored in our in that kind of um, I guess you call that uh, subtle body. Nice. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that's being affected by all of the light that's streaming into the planet with the shift that's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's how it gets activated. Uh, like I was mentioning sort of um, like in my experience, like there's these windows and um, and people probably can connect in their own way. Like, like that time period where I said like um, in like that first download and the course of miracles may have just been like a trigger for something that was already starting to come in um, energetically to me now that I look at, look at it. And it was interesting because I was on the East coast for high school and then went to the West coast for college. And uh, I think there is a certain kind of energetic of, um, uh, of course, every environment has its own energy and uh, can activate you in a certain way. And by doing that, I think it, there was a little bit of more of a structured energy pattern in my system in in uh, from the east coast uh, and then the west coast energy really opened that up and and one of the manifestations was finding the course of miracles but i think it already happened just by being in that environment so i think that was an energetic way to open up this like if you could call it like this um soul dna or this multi-dimensional dna strands mm-hmm. so you could so it could be environmental uh it could be like an energy healer uh just sort of facilitates a certain frequency within a, a session or a couple of sessions um it could be like a meditation a person does uh but usually those triggers are already in place probably before a person incarnates i would just uh in in certain frameworks and they're sort of waiting for a certain uh like almost opening to happen uh, in the person's life and then they start manifesting out mm-hmm. And I agree with the environment that you were mm-hmm. talking about. I too was born on the East Coast and couldn't wait to get out to the East or the West Coast. And, you know, after I graduated and then I'm drawn, I'm finding myself drawn to these different places now around the United States and the planet. So uh-huh. are you finding um, that you're drawn to specific areas of the earth, you know, based on this Octarian energy and what areas are those? Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Like, the, and, and I think people could probably uh, really connect with that because, like, like um, uh, maybe that's why people do the sacred site. Like, they'll go to sacred sites now um, mm-hmm. when they maybe have been on their path, and they can realize or they get called, like maybe to Hawaii or to Peru or to Egypt or some of the kind of these are more well-known ones. But um, there's something in the land energy there that will do this kind of DNA awakening or soul DNA awakening. Uh, but particularly with the Arcturian healing method, um, there were a couple international, and I kind of just let these happen um, uh, naturally. Like I don't, um, they just happen naturally. So the place that got uh, first that I went to was actually Switzerland, um, which I think had a profound effect on the method. Like the method is still kind of still being uh, downloaded. Uh, but I, there's things maybe in the mountains and the land energy and the astral energy there. And also, of course, the karmically, the people who showed up that opened up the method and kind of established something, particularly in the astral world. It kind of made the, um, the I call it the astral platform of the method more solid, sort of like something you could really connect to in the inner world. Uh, and then the other place that um, was Greece was the next place, which, of course, has a rich history of mystery schools and, you know, Plato and Aristotle. And so, um, and just that land energy there, 
But what's so interesting is that the, some of the teachers, um, kind of like historical teachers, spiritual teachers that I've been influenced and that sort of indirectly influenced the Arcturian healing method was Rudolf Steiner and a teacher, his name's Daskalos, who is a Stilianos Atishalis. And Rudolf Steiner, of course, um, is based in, a lot of his work was in Switzerland. And Daskalos, his um, school was, and his daughter's still running it. It's like a, a mystery school or a, uh, like an initiation school in the esoteric Christianity. It's in Cyprus. So I think from the inner world, <laughs> they were influencing where the Arcturian healing method went. And I can, I'm hearing science. So there's really this underlying, you know, stream of science for you on your path of these different areas that you've been to. That's really fascinating. Uh-huh. Yeah. You also do dream work. A couple months ago, it was super fascinating. I had a couple dreams where geometry was being presented to me in my dream. Like here, the, read my book of knowledge and I open it. And instead of seeing words, I saw equations, which I thought was really fascinating, even in my dream. And then the following night had one where someone was presenting me with a square, like I and told me telepathically, you know how to do it, right? When I told him I didn't know how to do it. So how do you work with your dreams and weave in that dream yoga in with this work here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've really been fascinated by the dream work. Uh, a, a large influence that I guess I didn't ha hadn't mentioned yet was the uh, Tibetan Buddhism and, um, and which I also came into contact. Like I kind of was, I grew up in a more like a Catholic background but then once you kind of like uh, leaving kind of like after 18, like you're kind of on your more on your own spiritual path. Um, I kind of ran into Tibetan Buddhism in, in college. Uh, so that had a big influence and I think it drew on past lives. So what was getting activated was maybe past life practices. Uh, Cause I was, um, when I heard this term bardos, which is um, the Tibetan word for like in between, particularly like in between lifetimes, um, uh, that sort of like, I just was drawn to that word, particularly I remember that in college. And now it's become a big part of what I do now. It's like one aspect that you mentioned. And uh, I've taken a more like Arcturian slant on it, but uh, I've been informed more from those deep Tibetan teachings. But the, the gist of it is um, like in when you work with your dreams uh, is to become lucid or awake in your dream state while you're still dreaming. That's kind of what uh, they call it, dream yoga. And there's a lot of other cultures like um, the Aztec culture, like probably a lot of all different inner spiritual traditions have this, uh, like some type of work in the dream space. Uh, but just, I'll just draw from what I've been uh, interested in with the Tibetan work. But for example, before you go to sleep, you focus like on a red uh, marble of light in your throat chakra. And you just see it really brightly for like a minute or two. And then you just let it dim out so you can fall asleep. Uh, and that kind of brings your prana and focus here subconsciously. You do it consciously first and then subconsciously as you fall asleep, it stays here. And uh, if you do that over time, like every time you go to sleep or like on a regular basis, you that leads to lucidity in your dream state. So you kind of will wake up in your dream state uh, and realize you're dreaming, but not wake up uh, in your physical body. And then you can do all types of things. But um, the reason I bring that up and probably my interest in that is in the larger scheme of things, that state of consciousness of your dream is the same state of consciousness in between your lifetimes. 
So like, uh, like after you pass from your physical body, before you take another incarnation, kind of in that framework, if you believe in that, um, you're in this like um, consciousness space. And then in, from the Tibetan teachings, the idea is um, you can go through that unconsciously. So similar to how like we go to sleep and then, then we just wake up and we don't remember anything in between. Mm -hmm. um so and then you kind of what determines your but in this bigger state what determines your next life is more like um your propensities like your habits and kind of but if you can wake up uh during that period kind of just get more mindful during the period between lifetimes then you can kind of uh you have choice like you could choose the type of next rebirth or you just have more choice and uh, that's supposedly what these reincarnated um masters like they call them tulkus like the dalai lama is a 14th reincarnation so they've trained themselves so that they can in this bardo state they can choose what would be the most benefit to beings and then they take that incarnation um so that's what really fascinates me about that practice yeah that is fascinating that's amazing mm -hmm. so how have you used that in your work uh, well, I do. I do um, have like a, like a class. I've incorporated into a class called the Arcturian Sleep and Dream. Uh, there's like a free hour class. I don't know if you wanted to let the uh, viewers know where it is. I could yeah, send you the link. Conversations with Lauren. Yeah, I did that one. Okay, that's the one you did. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a free class, and I think people like that. And that, and then you get the gist of the technique, so you can just start right away. Uh, and then there's some references of books if people like to read uh, books on that um i'll just mention one author who his name's andrew holacek so he's deeply trained in this in the traditional tibetan uh, yoga practices but he also comes from the west so it kind of gives a nice background um and you know incorporates science uh into that but um i'll just mention one other practice you can do you can also focus on your heart like a blue maybe you uh, maybe i mentioned that in that class uh, but you focused on like a blue marble of light at your heart. So before you fall asleep, rather than the red one at your throat, you focus on a blue one uh, before you fall asleep. And what that does is it helps you to become lucid in the deep sleep state. So not when you're dreaming, sort of like even that, like uh, they call the fourth state in sort of the four um, parts of the cycle of sleep where no images are occurring. But the interesting thing about that, it's considered a more advanced practice than lucid dreaming because that state of consciousness is considered like an awakened, enlightened state of consciousness. It's like a ground state of consciousness. So if you can get um, uh, lucid or aware during that state of consciousness, it's almost like it's like a vast space. Um, and uh, then you get kind of familiar with that um, that uh, kind of awakened state of consciousness. So that, that's a cool practice too to do. I've been uh, doing um, the red throat. Oh, it cool. helped me, you know, during my dream cycles too. And I recommended it to a couple other friends also uh -huh. who are getting really vivid in their dreams lately. Uh -huh. and one question was though, why red and green? Oh, why those the question that I got? The red and blue. A red uh, and blue, yeah. The red and blue. Uh, we could just finish off the entire practice. <laughs> so you can also focus on a, a you only choose one of these uh, chakras or locations before you fall asleep. Uh, so there's a white one in the center of your head. So that's kind of like the head area, throat area. And then we talked about the blue one at the heart area. And then there's an uh, interesting one you do at the sacral center. It's a black marble of light. So what happens is they all um, create lucidity, but they create a certain kind of dream. 
So like the one at the head creates like dreams of clarity. So you might like, this is just the traditional way they say in the teachings, like you might dream of waterfalls or, you know, like um, really clean things happening. Uh, the, this one creates dreams of actually power. Uh, um, and then this one creates the, the deep sleep state. And the one at the sacral or sex center creates what they call wrathful or what we would call like nightmares. Like uh, it creates like very um, things we fear, which is something that we should like start working with kind of when you're ready so that you don't, um, you realize that those things you fear, like in the, when you, if you wake up in the dream and you see like a monster coming at you or whatever you think is like your monster and, but you're awake, you'll realize like, I'm just dreaming. And so it starts to help you overcome those so that, so uh, but so the reason why it's just um, it's just within that um, yoga Tibetan yogic system, whenever they do practices, the head is always white, like white energy. The throat is always red energy, and the blue is always uh, the heart is always blue energy. Um, so and then the, the and with the sacral center, it can be different colors. It can sometimes be green and sometimes black. Nice, mm -hmm. and I like the way you know that sacral chakra is working with that fear. And that's really a lot of, you know, my kids wake up with night terrors. You know, I had very vivid dreams and um, I remember having one from the time I was like five years old, all the way up until a couple years ago and, you know, always, you know, challenging me or oppressing me and then facing it later in life when I started doing the dream work and being able to like turn around and, you know, know. So doing that work to overcome that fear in your dream is really powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that today. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. Did you want to um, walk us through a transmission maybe? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can, ex um, this, we can uh, channel some of the Arcturian frequencies and maybe people can experience that. And um, I know like uh, if you are watching this as like a recorded program, you still get the energy. What this, the, re the recording does just to, so people can understand uh, is you connect with the energy through the recording but there's no, uh, nothing on the sound actually holds, because that's on the physical level, holds a frequency. So it's more like on the subtle energy level. Nice. Um, okay. So nice. You can, people can just relax and uh, see what you feel. If you have any healing intention, you can have the, these energies um, work on that. Uh, you can also do it quantumly, which means uh, you can just let it go. It has its own intelligence. You can just let it go wherever it needs to. So we're starting with the Arcturian dimensional bridge to relax and center your system. continue to channel the Arcturian dimensional bridge to work on your healing intention.
And now we're channeling the Metatron Melchizedek Arcturian Mandala healing frequency. And you can have this work on either your specific healing intention or wherever it's most needed. Continue to channel the Metatron Melchizedek Arcturian Mandala Healing Frequency. And we'll channel one more frequency. It's called the Arcturian Shadow Frequency. And that completes the short energy session. You can gently come back to your physical body. And when you feel comfortable, you can open your eyes and snap your fingers. <laughs> oh, that was awesome, Jean. How cool. <laughs> the heaviness, you know, settling in and the energy running through. And then as my body was accepting it, like the inhaling it in and then expanding okay. it went with it that was really nice could you explain for our listeners the different ones that you did and what they might do for them yeah oh yeah yeah uh so the arcturian dimensional bridge um like when you channel that like for someone it basically like we have our dimensional space 
And then the Arcturian dimensional space, of course, it's a non-physical space, but um, you could think of the this frequency acting like a bridge. So it kind of merges the Arcturian dimensional space to temporarily with um, your dimensional space. And then they can kind of work uh, in whatever way they need uh, through the consciousness and frequencies. Then the um, Metatron Melchizedek Arcturian Mandala healing frequency is very similar, but it works with three spiritual beings. So like Metatron, Metatron sort of energy in space, Melchizedek, um, that being's energy in space and the Arcturians. So like at a certain level of the Arcturian healing method, um, Metatron, who's an archangel, and Melchizedek, who's a very advanced kind of spiritual being, they sort of are um, incorporated or they work in the, uh, in the healing method. And then finally, the Arcturian shadow frequency is kind of really interesting um, concept. It's not the not so much the psychological shadow, which is sort of things we've repressed or are not in our um, consciousness uh, or our full of consciousness. It's more the uh, like the you see like the shadow behind me. Uh, that is actually an interesting has interesting is an interesting subtle body that not many systems like um, I guess address but it holds vibrations because it's like the light passing through us. It's like the negative frame of a picture. It holds um, our um, energetic information, but with very unique vibrations and certain systems like a system I've studied called biogeometry. And you'll see this in a lot of different um, ancient esoteric spiritual or like esoteric spiritual traditions. Uh, they may not explain why, but uh, there's a, they call it in biogeometry, uh, it, it's called um, horizontal negative green or a negative green vibration. And basically that's just a label in their system, but it's basically like a spiritual carrier wave. So it will carry other vibrations through it. And that's what your shadow is all made up of. Uh, so if you intend anything into the, a person's shadow, uh, that, that energy and thought form will carry into their subtle bodies more deeply. So that's why you'll see these, um, like in certain esoteric martial arts, uh, like in the Taoist tradition, they'll like say, like, take your stick, or, you know, of course, this is a martial <laughs> intention, and like jab your opponent's shadow, you know, like at a certain place to weaken them. And they, they won't say exactly why, or they maybe you have to get, get kind of oral transmission from a teacher. Uh, but uh, that makes total sense if you understand that the shadow is made up of this like carrier wave vibration. And in this case, we're using it for healing, but it's, so it's really cool. That's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. I have a friend in Anacortes, Washington, Elka McCartney, who's also a mentor. And I interviewed her a couple months ago and she has been seeing, you know, more of the shadow in people's auras these days. And I wonder if there's a correlation between what you're speaking about and what she's seeing in mm -hmm. people's auras recently. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. How can people um, reach you, Gene? What's the best uh, way for people to contact you? Yeah, yeah. Um, my website is just my name, uh, like uh, Gene Ang, all in one. And uh, But I'm most up to date on my newsletter just because of this kind of more COVID period. <laughs> um, so since so everything went online, but probably the, my website. Yeah. Great. And any... Great. And any upcoming events that you would like to share? Uh, let's see. I do a number of like online events on a pretty regular basis. Um, they'll be um, like posted in the newsletter, I guess. That's, uh, but if you just go to the website and uh, if, the URL, if it looks interesting, yeah, there's a newsletter sign up link. Um, 
but uh yeah those are mostly it's events i guess the one thing that maybe just coming to mind uh is there's a um you know there's the 12 days of christmas uh well um it's a great time actually energetically or esoterically to meditate during those uh, it's like almost a spiritual initiation month is december into january Mm -hmm. so uh there's an online event called the 12 by 12 metatron um ascension path so that's maybe this a a nice event coming up oh nice that sounds fantastic and you also have two spiritual journeys coming up in the next year oh yeah Uh uh-huh new zealand and kailash uh yes yes Uh uh-huh which sounds Uh fantastic (laughs) uh yeah yeah the uh, mount kailash is kind of sacred mountain in tibet and then uh, new zealand um we thought about doing it in february it was actually going to do it in october and then now it seems like we'll move it to october of next year oh i see okay yeah because of the i think we're still kind of they're still kind of closed um in terms of travel international travel but kailash that's still going to be happening in march uh, in May. March, in May. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Awesome. All yeah. right. Thank you, Gene. I really appreciate you sharing this hour with me today. Oh, thanks, Liz. This is great. Thank thanks you. so much. And, and thank, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Again, my name is Liz, and you're listening to Raise the Vibe with Liz. And remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.